Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. On today's episode, we're talking with new Central Connecticut men's basketball head coach, Pat Sellers. We talk about Pat's excitement about returning to his alma mater to coach, what a Sellers-led team will look like on the court, look back at some of the head coaches he served under as an assistant, and get into a whole lot more. And now it's my conversation with Central Connecticut men's basketball head coach, Pat Sellers. So coach, I wanted to get started with this one. And I love to ask this question of all the coaches that come on to the podcast. You know, when did you decide that you wanted to get into coaching? Because I know you went overseas and played for a bit. You know, once you were done with college, when did it hit you, though, that, that you thought you might want to get into coaching? Um, you know, my, my teammates in college used to make fun of me all the time because I'm always like, Hey coach, Hey, what if we did this right here? What if we did that? Even back in high school, we played, uh, um, Dan D'Antoni, who's the head coach at Marshall yeah. was a high school coach at soccer state high school. And they, he had a really good team and we were good. And we're in, uh, in the first, we played them three times uh, my senior year. The first game at their place, they beat us. We beat them at our place. And then in the conference championship, I go to coach and I say, coach, how about a three, two zone? And this put me, I was a small forward, put me in the top of the key, at the top of the key. Cause they had a, a, a really good guard, but it was small. And we did it and we ended up winning by like 30. And so after that, I was like, man, you know, I, I got, I'm going to, I want to coach down the road. So I always knew I wanted to coach even back in high school days. And then I just went through the whole thing, going to Europe and all that stuff. So Definitely. You've gotten to work with, with so many different coaches, you know, from your time at, as an assistant across a, a number of schools there. What, what have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned from some of the coaches you've been with? And how are you going to take them into your role here now at Central? Yeah, you know, it's everybody, you know, eight different programs I've, I've coached at. So a lot of, with a lot of different head coaches. So it's been great um, just to kind of, see the day in and day out stuff that these guys do and how they you know want their system and their style to to be put onto the team. So um, you know, like my first job here at Central Connecticut, Coach D, you know, everything he was tough, hard nosed, he wanted toughness, physicality, um, and it was everything was uh rebounding, rebounding defense, rebounding defense. We had that on our wall in the locker room. Um we were number one I think we're number one in the country in field goal percentage defense my first year. And we talked about it all the time, all the time. That's when we talked about defense. And then offensively, we were good. And, and, you, and I, lo- I went back and looked at the numbers. We were the number one team offensively and defensively in this league back then. So it was great. But, uh, yeah, Coach D was you know all about hard work, toughness, rebounding. And then I go to UMass, and Steve Lapis was an offensive guy, you know, footwork, shooting ability, IQ, spacing. He he was a big motion offense guy, and we ran a lot of motion. So I took a lot from him with the footwork aspect of it and how you spaced out in the ball movement. And that was sort of ahead of his time because now the way teams are playing with the perimeter four men who shoot threes, they can handle it. Steve Lapis was doing that back then. Um, so – yeah, so he was really good. So that that was a great experience. And then I go with Coach D, with Coach Calhoun at UConn. And then you know people always say, "Hey, what what's what makes Coach Calhoun so special?" 
And I'm like, hey, man, it's nothing you can put your hand on. I can't tell you he's he's going to tell you the one of the best offensive uh, sets ever. I'm not going to tell you he's going to tell you what we do defensively. That's going to be the best thing defensively. He just has something that makes guys compete. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like a lot of coaches, when the coaches, you know, after I left, would always ask me, you know, Coach Cowan, Coach Cowan, what's the secret? And I said, I can't tell, I can't put my hand on it, but he gets guys to compete. So, um, I mean, it was, it was great six years with Coach Calhoun watching him get these guys to compete. And then you get Rudy Gay as a rookie with Memphis, uh, they're interviewing him. And he said, man, I've been through some hard practices and tough lessons with Coach Calhoun. But I know one thing, he can just say one thing and you feel like you can run through a brick wall. And he's a hundred percent. That that's Coach Calhoun, and that's what made him good. So I'm hoping I can find that magic that he has to make guys want to play like that and be like that. Um, he he did everything. Everything we did was competitive. All our drills are competitive. So I'm hoping that that's and that's what I'm taking from Coach Calhoun with me. And then you know, two of the other guys who had a big part. And what I'm going to do is uh, Greg McDermott. You know, Greg McDermott probably, like I said, I said this in my press conference, probably the best offensive coach I've ever worked with. I think he's the best in the country. And he, like, angles, spacing, um, shooting, like little quick things to get your shot off, uh, your, your shot prep, every everything on the offensive end, he's tremendous at. And so I took a lot from him offensively. I'm going to trying to put it, bring it to this program. And even after I left uh, Coach McDermott, uh, wherever other places I've gone, I've, I've tried to bring in his offensive philosophy because he, he's a genius. And then defensively, uh, Jay Young at Fairfield is just like is just like uh, Coach Mack on offense. He's that guy on defense. And same deal. He does stuff in the, in the, in the office. We would sit down and he'd say, we're going to do this and the reason why we do this. And I'm like, man, this is it's great. So it was like a clinic with him every day. So, you know, I, I got a lot to draw from. So I'm going to try and draw from like those those guys right there as I start this whole process. Definitely. And I know people in the state who, who watch UConn basketball as well have got a, got a quick uh, crash course this year in, in seeing Creighton play and seeing what that offense is about. So if you're bringing that, some of that to Central, I think it's going to be an exciting team you have there. I've, I've, I've got to ask, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, Rudy Gay talking about some of those Calhoun practices. When I had your brother on, he talked about how tough those practices were. Were, were those the toughest practices you've seen at, at any of the places you'd been? Uh, the ones at UConn, Central Connecticut, and Fairfield are probably three of the toughest places I've been. Um, you know, Coach Calhoun and, and Coach D are, you know, like they're just like twins almost. They, Coach D came here yeah. and, then, you know, some of the same things we did at Central when I got to UConn, I said, I already saw that before. You know, it was just, you know, it's tough. The rebounding drills, the, the reason why Central Connecticut and UConn were always one of the top Guys, top teams in the league and rebounding because the rebounding stuff we did every day just made guys harden up and toughen up and they would stick their nose in and rebound the basketball. So, yeah, those those are some really tough practices. When you talk about, you know, those different styles that you've seen throughout the stops you've, you've been on as an assistant, 
What is a, a, Pat, a Patrick Sellers team going to look like out there on the court next year in terms of, of what you're, you're going to be wanting out of that team? Is it a combination of that, you know, you know, again, aiming for that top offense and top defense in the league type thing? Yeah, you know, you always want perfection. So you want to be good on both ends. And um, I, I, I don't think, you know, you put a lot of time in on both ends, but I, you, you're going to have to kind of give one one end a little bit more attention. So just my thought coming in, watching film from last year and like just looking at numbers and stuff, I think we really have to improve on the defensive end here first. So we got to get our defense in order. We got to get our rebound in order. And I think it'll carry over and help us on the offensive end. And we can build an offense as we go along, but we got to really get locking on, on, on the defensive end. So you're going to see us play defense. You're going to see us rebound. And then um, the thing is, one of my I'm a huge, huge fan of basketball IQ. I want mm-hmm. guys to know how to play. So when we when we have talks in the locker room, when we watch film or whatever, I want these guys to ask questions and understand what we're trying to do and kind of see the game like like as a coach would see it. So right. um, I've said this ever since I've been recruiting and coaching is if you have a point guard who you can speak to like an adult, then you have a special player. And uh, and he can, if he can kind of communicate with his teammates like that, then, then you can, it, it makes offense easier. So I'm really trying to get a number of multiple guys with high basketball IQ and, and to be able to talk the game and see the game and, and make plays without the coach telling them exactly what to do, especially down the stretch when you don't want to call a timeout. You want them to kind of play instinctually. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what our team's going to look like. In terms of the, the makeup of the team, I, I do know you, you have some returners coming back, but in terms of looking for spots for next year, I know, I know the transfer portal has, has been the big thing in college basketball this uh, offseason here. Is, is that something you think you're going to be taking advantage of as you're looking to, to fill out that roster there heading into next year? Yeah, I mean, the portal's so big, it's unbelievable, like, how many kids are in it. Like, it was 1,600-plus last week. So... You know, I'm going to try and go in there and like sift through and find, you know, I want to find obviously good character guys first and then guys with mm-hmm. high basketball IQ who can shoot the ball and athletic. So you want a little bit of everything. So I'm going to go and uh, really look through that portal and see if you can find a couple guys because in the portal you can find some veteran guys and I think we might need another mature veteran guy and the guys who can mm-hmm. shoot the basketball. So we're going to look there, but on the, the one thing about the portal, it's killed a ton of high school kids. So there are a lot of good high school players. So normally, like I'm, I'm just taking making a number. It might be two or three hundred kids, high school kids that would already have Division One scholarships that are being left out. So because of the portal, so I'm trying to get you know four, maybe five high school, really good high school players that can start the program. And, uh, and and if you have the red shirt one or two, just so you can uh, even out to classes, then that might be something we're looking at doing too. But yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to just abandon the high school guys either. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see how, how things have changed a bit. Cause I'm sure, especially, you know, as you've been an assistant for a while, you, you've seen the, the changes in recruiting and this is definitely a, a big change here. So interesting to see how it's going to play out going forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I know you talked a little bit about the style of play and everything. How would you say that the college game has changed since since your day of playing to to where it is today, uh, and, and how you've had to adapt now your your coaching style based on how the game has changed over time? Yeah, the the game like uh, I you know I always say everything starts with the NBA and then trickles down to college and high school, and so mm-hmm. now you know everybody's shooting threes. Um, and like I, I was just saying to an AAU coach earlier, back when I played, I was a three man. Now I'll be a four man, and the four man, the four men are now five men. So the game has gotten much more skilled. Like guys can really, really shoot the basketball. They can handle the basketball. They can pass the basketball. So if a guy can't dribble, pass, and shoot almost at every position, it's going to be hard for him. So that's you know. The game has really kind of went out. And then it's also, it's spaced out. Before, you would have a wrestling match inside the paint. Like, everybody would be inside the three-point line wrestling and tussling. But now it's uh, it's spaced out. And, again, they're taking advantage of the, the skill set that these guys have. So um, it has really changed a ton since I played, since I started coaching. Um, and the, the good coaches who kind of go with the times and and, evet and evolve, they remain good coaches. And they have a bunch of guys who, you know, stay in the old school system, and uh, and they ended up getting they get they lose because it's just you have to be able to you got to be able to shoot the basketball, you got to be able to shoot threes, you got to be able to switch um, a lot of ball screens or light screens because everybody can make a shot now, and then. Uh, people are playing at a faster pace because the clock is down to 30 seconds now. So it's a faster pace game. Um, they eliminated, you know, in our game, in the NBA game, they have the hand check rule. So if you put your hand on a guy, it's going to be an automatic foul. So that, that rule has come into play for us in college too. So that also, you know, adds to the game. So, yeah, it's changed a ton, and I think it's changed for the better because it's a more skilled game. Definitely. I agree 100% there. I want to ask about something you mentioned in your press conference because it was really interesting to me, and that was, you know, an experience you had with basketball in China. Tell us a little bit more about what that experience was like because it it really seems like it was a a neat opportunity for you there. Yeah, China was like, I I, I was shocked. I, I, I went over there kind of for like a, it was supposed to be for six weeks to coach a summer league team and mm-hmm. our team, we got off to a great, we won like 15 straight games, whatever. And the owner asked me, do I want to stay for the season? And I'm like, yeah, why not? And so I ended up, so when I got there, the team I went to, that was a team that Stephon Marbury initially went to. So Steph was on the team when I got there. Um, so in the summertime, he wasn't, it was just all the Chinese guys. And then, yeah, we had our training camp in Las Vegas, and Steph came to Vegas, and all of this stuff. And it ended up they ended up trading them. They they traded them to another team because they had a new GM, and the GM wanted another guard or whatever. So, so you know, Steph and I would go out to dinner and talk or whatever. And, and I don't know, I talked about God Sham guy. God Sham guy was the uh, the assistant coach on the junior team. So we would go out to dinner every night. So I heard her talking about stories from these two guys. I heard a million stories from these two. It was great. And then they would, like, they showed me a lot of tricks in the NBA that people do for the guards or whatever. And, like, stuff I use to this day working with our guards. 
And um, very cool. Oh, it was great. It was great. And then the coach, the coaching, again, China is another offensive league. So the, the four men, same deal. They shoot threes. Everybody can shoot their skill. They can pass. They can dribble. So, uh, you know, they all, they want an American, usually an American point guard and an American true five man who can kind of bang and score inside because everybody else mm-hmm. on the perimeter is all the skilled and they can shoot it. So, um, I mean, it was great experience over there. Um, and the team I was with had never been to the playoffs. So we go down to the wire down the stretch, um, to make the playoffs. We had to win our last regular oh, season that's game. Awesome. And the team, one of another team had to lose theirs, but you, you would like, it was unbelievable. After a regular season away game, road game, we'd fly home and it would be 2,500 people at the airport cheering for us oh, wow. coming home after a road win. I'm like, wow, this is just a regular season. <laughs> game. It was unbelievable. So yeah, it oh, was a lot of oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm still good friends with the translator. So like he always checks in to see how I'm doing, and uh, he keeps all keeps me informed with the with the owner too. So it was great, a great great time. Yeah, no, it seems like a, a really cool opportunity there. I, I like to always ask this uh, of coaches that come on. College basketball is known for just so many of the exciting atmospheres that you go on the road and, and play. You know, through all the different teams you've been associated with. Where would you say have been like you know the toughest or, or maybe a, a couple of places that have been really tough to bring your team in uh, on the road to play at? Um, the loudest place ever we played at Indiana twice when I was at UConn, and we ended up winning both games. But I mean, I think we were number one in the country one year with Marcus Williams and Josh Boone and that crew, mm-hmm. and we played IU on a Saturday at like noon or something, and we could barely hear ourselves think it was so loud and we played great we started off they, we started off slow and they were they had a run going and they wanted to upset us i think they were ranked like 15th or 16th and we ended up coming on coming on stronger and ended up winning the game pretty good and then we played out there again um to, to beat and jeff Asian and those guys and uh same deal we were shorthanded that that, that game and Donnell Beverly came off the bench, started for us, and had a great game. Uh, he, he actually locked up Eric Gordon at the guy who plays for Houston Rockets. And we, we uh, big time went on the road. But those two, that, that, Indiana is so loud. It's probably the loudest place I've ever, I've ever coached. Then the other place, people always at, when I got to Creighton, the reason they hired me, they wanted a guy from the East Coast who knew the Big East or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they asked me, hey, what's the toughest place to play in the Big East? And I said, well, I said, there's two places. I said, West Virginia is not in the Big East anymore. West Virginia was tough. And I said, Providence. And they said, Providence? I said, Providence is a tough place to play. I said, you'll see. So our first game at Providence, you know, the Creighton fans, there's a ton of people that are, like, rich from Warren Buffett's stock. Oh, yeah. So they all have their own private jets. So they would fly out. They would fly everywhere. So they fly to the game. So we would have we would have a ton of Creighton fans at every game. And so the the fans heard me say that Providence was a tough place to play. So they get out there and they are just in shock. Like the fans are on top of you. They're screaming at us. They're screaming at our fans. And they could they could not believe it. And the crazy thing is we uh 
that game at Providence, Doug McDermott and Ethan Rogge, two of our starters, were both had a touch of the flu. Never forget this. They had a touch of the flu. And we were, we hung in the game strong, but we ended up losing. Those guys weren't 100%. So that was, I think, a Saturday night game. And then we played at Nova on Monday night. Well, Monday night, after that loss, I think this is our first loss in the Big East. After that loss, Monday night, we go to Nova, and we set the record for most threes in a Big East game. We had 21 threes, put up 95 points in that game, won the game, blew them off. Great game. That's how you bounce, that's how you bounce back for Absolutely. one of those. Absolutely. It, it, and it's funny you mentioned the, the Creighton fans, because I know when I've had some coaches on the past, they mentioned Creighton as one of the toughest places to play out there. What, what was it like from your experience being there and the, and the crowds that show up in Omaha? Yeah, it, it was whew, craziness, man. Like, I, <laughs> I, and I honestly, when I, when I got offered a job at Creighton, Steve Lutz was an assistant coach. He just got a head job at Texas A&M. Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And Lutz and I were friends for a long time. So he was like, hey, man, we got the spot out up here with like a guy from the Big East. And I was like, and I didn't know where Creighton was. And he said, oh, it's in Omaha, Nebraska. Come on out. So they flew me out on a Saturday. I was supposed to go out for Friday, Saturday. And we had bad weather in New York. The flight got canceled. So I ended up going Saturday. And I was just blown away by, like, how cosmopolitan the city was. Like, the city was, like, a really nice city. Blown away. And so we go to the arena, and I'm like, man, the arena is incredible. And we had a practice facility that was being built. And so once we got out, when I got out there in the, our first game, I couldn't believe it. Like, 18,000 fans going nuts. And uh, we were playing, you know, I forgot what we were playing, but like somebody used to blow out and they're going crazy. And so our first Big East game was uh, New Year's Eve versus Marquette. And the fans were like the Creighton fans wanted to, we need a Big East rival. Who's our rival? Who's going to be our rival? Because Wichita State was their rival back in the Missouri Valley. So they wanted that. So they kind of picked Marquette. And Marquette, we played this game and literally, it was a madhouse. They had they, they they would always sell standing room only tickets. So I think that night they sold like two thousand standing room only tickets. And so we had eighteen thousand plus people just getting in the building just to stand up. It was crazy. And then um, it's on YouTube somewhere. I think they showed it on ESPN. They played uh, Sweet Caroline doing one of the timeouts, and okay. it's insane. So we go into the rest, they, they start the game ball again, and the crowd singing, still singing Sweet Caroline. So <laughs> and <laughs> we played, we actually played great. The crowd was so energetic, it just got us going. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's, you know, places like that are, are what make college basketball so much fun. And, and I think everyone's oh, excited, excited to get crowds like that back out there, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, come this coming season, but I'll, I'll wrap with this one for you. I, I know you've got to be really excited to, to get a head coaching job, but how much does it mean for you to get that job at Central uh, with, with all that it means to you? Oh, man, it's the best. It's the best fit. Like, I, I will say when I left, so I left here as a 21-year, 22-year, I go play in Europe. I come back, start a coach in high school. I get back here as an assistant coach. And I was here for four years. We had a lot of success, good players. It's a great run. 
and I leave to go to UMass, and I and I was trying to figure out when it was. I think it was like May. It was you know around this time in 2002. You know, 19 years ago, whatever. And I remember uh, the athletic department giving me like a farewell in the uh, upstairs in the blue room. And it was a sort of surprise. I walked in and I, hey, surprise. And I'm like, oh, man, and this kind of hit me. It hit me and I was so shocked. I didn't, like, I was, you know, I could talk forever. I was at a loss of words and I just thank everybody, whatever. And, uh, you know, and then 19 years later to come back and, like, you know, lead the program and be a part of it. And, you know, like, it's just it's getting the goosebumps. I'm all excited for it. I'm excited about it got a lot of support a lot of people behind me you know a lot of the players i played with a lot of the guys i coached like everybody's reaching out they want to be a part of it so now you know they just got to roll up the sleeves and get to work get to work yeah awesome well i, I know everyone's excited for uh, for your arrival here it's great to have you back in connecticut uh at central really looking forward to the season so best of luck as you, you get ready for the season we'll have to have you back on uh before the season starts to give us the uh, breakdown of your team before we get into the thick of things. So, uh, so sounds good. Yeah. Really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks Jared. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut scoreboard podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT scoreboard pod, the host at Jared Cutler and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut scoreboard podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.